Hi guys and welcome back to yet another episode of Mind the Back Chat. And as always, you're joined by me, George and... Gabs. Giordano. I don't know, yeah, it, just, it, it rolls off the tongue that. Um, we've got another episode of laid back cracking to the... Dude, no. Oh. <laughs> From couch back cracking to laid, laid back, back chatting. chatting. Yeah. That's how laid back you are though. You're just like, oh, I don't even know what it is. But... It's not yeah. as if this is like the 22nd episode or anything. It's so, like, what? Slogans, yeah, out the window <laughs> straight. So I'm going to hit you with quite a serious question because oh. we're going to have a nice conversation oh. topic today. Um, is where do you see osteopathy going? Dun, dun, dun. You can attempt this from any direction you want. I'm going to attempt it from my direction. Whoa. One direction. Well, that, okay, okay. So are you seeing it more as like how your career is going to go? Or are you looking at it from a profession career? I'm thinking of it from more uh, a professional career because what we're finding is over the years, especially when you look at, uh, for example, my tutors and how they practice osteopathy, for the most part, you'll find that there are sort of niches of osteopathy and what they kind of do so you've got classical you've got um still technique you've got sat yeah cranial there are so many different aspects to osteopathy visceral you know yeah and i feel what's going to happen is they're going to add more okay but instead of adding more in regards to what osteopathy is about they're going to add more into what makes us more westernized elaborate for me so um currently western medicine is prescription it's uh iv infusions tech therapies things like that i think what they're going to do is they're going to expand the curriculum so that it involves things such as dry needling it involves things such as cupping because what you're finding is for example in osteopathy one of the big um beliefs is your um influencing fluid dynamics yeah the now, in order for us to really achieve that is using things like cupping where you're directly influencing fluid dynamics from a local level okay yeah right but on top of that we're probably going to be looking at things such as prescriptive level because we're primary healthcare and i think in order for us to truly become um, as close to a GP as possible, I think there will be pharmaceutical knowledge that has to be involved in future so, training. So there is pharmaceutical knowledge that is in training as it is. We do a lot of studying into medication side effects and all that stuff, and I know there's more. Mm. And this is why the topic of should osteopaths have prescription rights, especially mm. for maybe pain medications. Yeah. Um, but yes, the study of that would have to increase. Mm. But then... Is that stepping away from osteopathy, the tradition of osteopathy, the body is its own medicine cabinet? Now, I'm not saying I'm anti-medication. That is yeah. not true. I, I think it's fantastic yeah. when needed. Mm -hmm. um, I do think there can sometimes be over-prescriptions of it. Yeah. And I think everyone would agree with that from time to time. Mm. Um, but I definitely would say, if you suggested to go on it for health issues, stay on it kind of thing. Yeah. But if you're having to give somebody pain medication are we necessarily the best people to go for? Now, if you had the increased right amount of training mm -hmm. and pharmacology to do so, and it was limited to pain medication, I'd probably say, yeah, I'd support it. 
but I wouldn't necessarily want to be a far pharmaceutical. No, no, no. It, it uh, would be very limited prescriber. to the very standard uh, pharmaceutical drugs. But in my opinion, I think we will still be the osteopaths that we are now. Yeah. However, having that power to be able to go, okay, I've got every single possible tool in order to help this individual in front of me. I think that's quite powerful. So if you would say to somebody who came with like an acute facet irritation or disc mm -hmm. injury, you'd be like, here's, I want to, to prescribe you some naproxen and omeprazole. You think that's what you'd want to do? Uh if it's applicable to that patient directly, yes, I would want okay. to be able to do that. Yeah. Mainly because I feel as though um, when a patient comes in and they're absolutely in agony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I 100. And, by the way, I 100% agree. And in early, that's why it's only ever suggested for two to three day usage. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. With and that. I think that's where we can really use it to our advantage because if this individual was to take that medication and we can work quite confidently in order to allow her or them to come out of the injury that they're presenting with yeah. as quickly as possible, then that's fantastic. It, it's just another tool in our box that allows us to become as comprehensive as we can. And I think the good thing that we would have is more time with the patient to go through the maybe the side effects or the reasons why we're giving them the medication and mm. why they should only take it for these amount of days as well so it's not just kind of like prescribe off you pop that kind of thing and also knowing what kind of individual they are because if we are going to give them cocodamol then we want to be pretty um sound minded to know that these individuals are not going to take it on a sort of uh, addictive level so that's the other thing is like what level of painkiller are we going to be able to prescribe obviously that's not for us to know. That would have to be in a discussion. But again, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would necessarily want the prescribing rights now. Again, no, if, no, not if, now. If with the appropriate pharma, training, with the right training. What, oh, again, it's with anything. If you have the appropriate training, you have the right knowledge base. Yes, I would be able to tell you what I can. I know what the painkillers are. I know mm -hmm. a lot of the medications people come in for from a wide range of things, from blood thinners to blood pressure tablets, cholesterol tablets to. Mm. cancer treatments and all that kind of stuff but i wouldn't be confident enough to say i could prescribe somebody it yeah I'd, I'd know like you which ones they should be on which one they shouldn't be if they have certain conditions as well but i wouldn't say i would have the comfortability doing that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at what point does it get to a point where maybe you just go oh we were really acute i'm just going to give you some medication i'm going to do your treatment today i i wouldn't i wouldn't do such a thing because in my opinion there are certain things that you can do um to, to help the individual out. So yeah. I, I'm speaking from experience here um, where the individual came in and they said, bah, 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 very acute injury. Okay. And they were in absolute agony. Yeah. And I said yeah. to them, look, I'm going to give you the treatment. Just breathe with me. I'm going to work with your um, pain levels and I'm going to try and do it as effectively as possible. Just that you need to calm it down. Pain. Yeah. Exactly. She felt better after the treatment. Hmm. However, I said, look, it might come back with a vengeance. That's completely normal because it's a side effect to the treatment. If that does occur, please. And also early onset acute pain, first 48, 72 hours is going to be uncomfortable anyway. Exactly. Um, but yeah, even, even in those situations, like, yeah, you give them the hot, the cold kind of therapies after as well, keep moving, all the advice. But yeah, you could... Like some people have asked me, like, should I contact my GP for some pain medication? And sometimes I do say, 
early on, maybe in this state, mm. maybe a good idea. Yeah. Have a good discussion with them and don't be on painkillers for too long. Exactly. Because yeah. a lot of patients know as well that taking painkillers, you can hide the pain as well, mm. which allows mm -hmm. you to push through some barriers, which in some cases allows you to go in certain positions that may be worsening. So I yeah. do think if there were to be prescription rights, the knowledge basis of just biomechanical function as well would be fantastic to help yeah. them manage themselves as well so so a very good example is um one of my clients suffers with really bad acromioclavicular joint dysfunction okay and so that's in the shoulder guys very very painful um but what i've done is um i've i've essentially given him the rehab and yep. he says it's too painful to do okay I've gone into the gym, looked at his movement. It was absolutely fine. Yeah. And actually, the pain levels that he was describing to me was a dull ache that was just occurring constantly through the exercises. Yeah. And I kind of turned around and went, wouldn't it be a good idea to maybe take every now and then, whenever you're doing chest, take a paracetamol beforehand, half an hour beforehand, make sure that your biomechanical training is absolutely on point mm. so that what you're doing is you're allowing a window of opportunity for him to strengthen up the muscles appropriately which can then push rehabilitation forward yeah and make it more effective yeah and i think because obviously then being able to strengthen up the muscles in comfort you're going to strengthen the muscles up anyway and take pressure off the joints exactly so. exactly so i think there are specific levels that we can use it to facilitate how effective we are with our treatment mm. and making sure that this individual is actually out of the door and away discharged a lot faster than they should do. So going, so we've already, so we're discussing pharmacology and you also mentioned things like dry needling, which would classically be a kind of postgraduate yeah. course that you would do and that we've both done. Mm. Um, you think that would be taught at university as well? Yeah, I, I think that should be taught. And I mean, when you consider... At what, that, at what stage, though, do you teach that in a uni degree? You'd probably teach it at the end. Okay, Once yeah. they find out about anatomy, physiology, and they understand the mitigations behind um, neurovascular bundles, yeah. things like that, making sure that they understand um, nerve roots uh no fibers how they pass through the body and directioning of arteries i think that's quite important yeah so potentially third fourth year well i think that's already starting to happen well fourth year i'd say i wouldn't say third because yeah. third year you haven't got enough hands-on practice with patients to do true, it yet true whereas in the fourth year i know that what would happen is that there would be a dry needling course for the fourth years at my university mm. which they obviously pay for and that would be done a month or two before they graduate yeah. but they wouldn't be allowed to use it until they graduate I see which I think is the way to do it because you can't necessarily teach it because mm. you cannot necessarily be insured for it a lot of schools may not be able to cover the insurance on top of the insurance they already have to have for that so there might have to be some wiggle room there but I think you can teach it yeah. you just need to make sure there's no practicing yeah. outside of well I mean previously in osteopathy they used to teach how to take blood yeah. And I think that is a, a strong missed opportunity because it gives us essentially everything in the hand that if you do believe the issue they're having is a vitamin B12 deficiency, which is causing a pernicious anemia, yeah. you can find out from the get-go. Well, you could, you could take the blood and send it off. You wouldn't be able to yeah, yeah, yeah. look at it yourself. But at least 
but uh, what what I'm seeing here though is there's all these things that take time and effort mm. and now I know it's been a while since I've been graduated probably twice as long as you have yeah um yeah I think so just about yeah. just about yeah um when did you find free time when during did, university or during post? during university when did you not have two lectures a day or when were you not working in clinic at the same time? Because my oh, yeah. my whole time at uni was a lecture every day. And even then, sometimes you go into an exam and be like, oh, you know, we couldn't even like, all the tube, like, we couldn't quite fit fit it in before the exam. We'd definitely cover it afterwards. We couldn't all quite, you know, everything's quite pat, impactful and yeah. so much going on. I don't think there'd be enough time to commit. Now, the thing about dry needling is it's a two-day course kind of thing to start mm. off with. So you could do it over a weekend fine but then if you start adding on all the other theory if you start adding on all the cupping if you start adding all the massage if you start adding you know all the different layers of everything that's going on like the taping and stuff yeah you'd have to block out weekends and it'd be a commitment but when you're in that fourth year and you're studying for your final exams you are knackered so i know from lecture from being an assistant lecturer timetabling is impossible in osteopathy mm. teaching it because there's too much yeah so i don't know how you would necessarily find the time to that i think it will stay a postgraduate course yeah because necessarily not everyone wants to learn it either that's true that's true and i i suppose that can then open up the doors to voluntarily doing these courses such as let's say um the only day where we weren't exactly in university was on a sunday yeah so let's say for example on a sunday every two weeks you sort of bring up some sort of continuous professional development course yeah. that allows, let's say, a select we, number of people to do those courses. We had that. Okay. We had we that. Didn't. We didn't. It was called the Barefoot Club at the European School of Osteopathy and they get talkers in. Uh, oh, we had the Manus Sinistra. So there you go. So yeah. you, we have these things, but also at the same time, dude, like you just, if I would have days and consecutive days of going into uni for 8.30 having two lectures finishing at 5.30, driving over to the university clinic and treating four patients in the evening and getting home at half eight to have dinner and get up and go and do it again tomorrow. Mm. On a weekend, and if I have a Sunday off and it's every other Sunday, um, nah, you just you won't have the energy for it because you're mm. spending that Sunday constantly sat at a desk studying your cranial nerves, studying mm. your pathologies and your radiology. I just don't see how it would ever become wouldn't become a postgraduate course for that reason yeah. and also there's too much money to be made by the people teaching those courses to make it yeah yeah, uh, yeah. it's interesting it's interesting because okay would that mean that in future osteopathy would have to be a longer course because what what previously happened it was, depends what you want to get out of it yeah because anything any course you do doesn't matter what profession you're going into you get the critical information you mm. need that's it you don't get the experience with it yeah you treat a few patients in clinic but you don't really start to gain your own experience after being out for about two years mm. you know you don't just develop into the osteopath you want to be until you've been out you get the basics to yeah. be able to go okay and then you have to continue to learn because mm. the job of osteopathy is to make sure you're safe doing it and you have a knowledge basis and the anatomy so that you can then go on to go and create whatever osteopath you want to be. Mm. Now, I know people who don't like needles. They will not study dry needling. I know people who don't like intraoral techniques or intra techniques. Yeah. You know, like coccyx hey. adjustments and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, it's a time constraint as well. 
there were some courses where I was like, oh, that sounds like a really interesting talk. But I just didn't have the energy on a Sunday to get up mm. and go to it. Yeah. So I feel making the course longer mm. isn't necessary. Interesting. Interesting. Because... I feel like you can make the course longer if you want to do yeah. that yourself. But then you may as well just do it as a postgraduate degree. It's cheaper if you do it as a postgraduate thing. If you add another year to uni, you're paying another £9,250. Whereas you could pay probably about 1000 to learn how to tape, how to dry needle, how to cup, yeah. and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a very good point. And that's do it all within the, probably the space of a week. Yeah. The only thing that I would sort of push against that is with a lot of these courses, sometimes there's a different kind of uh, certification board and the credibility behind the certificates might be a bit sketchy where yeah. that that university might be able to bring something a lot more authentic yeah no i get that so in that case then would you then you would do it as then a postgraduate course from the university potentially potentially which do they even offer as i said some people did journey link courses at my university i had to do it i had to do it outside. i, had to, I did it outside with a very yeah. legitimate Same. group um but you can do mm. it in the university we had we had that we had a a, a main lecturer who used to do it come mm. in you pay a little bit and did it with the students so i think so that's i suppose my opinion behind how osteopathy is going to advance is that we are going to become a lot more medical and i think that's the only way for us to be a lot more universally recognized yeah but very much like physiotherapy has kind of pushed forward into you know a lot more evidence-based so, Western... we be- so then we're just becoming physios no because by the way which is not a bad thing but i'm just saying but there, yeah. there's a reason why they're called physios and we're called osteopaths yeah. but also physios are heavily trained in through their rehab whereas yeah. we're not yeah so we still have a bit of an angle that is um slightly different to their approach so i think we can still be unique outside of physiotherapy whilst maintaining uh, a medical background slash uh, westernized treatment modalities yeah and being a bit more generalized yeah no i i i, I agree with that conversations i've had with osteopaths from all different ages funnily enough i find that the older osteopath that you find the less, less they less they want to do that mm. And I kind of agree with them a little bit. Now, if yeah. you know me, you know I'm very much orthopedic testing based and I'm very much biomechanical and rehab based as well. But I also like to be quite, I like to be very holistic and look at the body as a whole because I, I really respect osteopathy. And when you move away from osteopathy and you do more of your medical stuff, sometimes you miss the beauty of what you did the job for, mm. treating the body as a whole and actually unlocking a puzzle and finding the true start to the story that is the patient who's presenting in front of you. So I feel like, yes, you do need to be medical and you do need to know your stuff mm. to be able mm. to diagnose mm. the patient correctly, have a better understanding and know how to help them. But I also don't want to lose the magic that is osteopathy um and i promise you 100 percent of the time people prefer the person who looks at the body as a whole than the person who just stays on the one joint no that, that that's a very good point and i think people want to be treated hands-on yeah as well they mm. it's good with the rehab and I always do it mm. but it's it's the actual treatment people but i don't see that 
being lost so long as we stick to our guns, which is hands-on treatment. Yeah, no, Because for sure. I think that will still become our main modality and approach to treatment. And I think the only reason why we would potentially lose that is if we start lacking our training in hands-on work. Mm. And that, but that is what's happening. That is what, okay. that is what is starting to... Like um, some of my tutors back when we were students were saying like the amount of theory you guys have to go which is good it's good that this change has happened the mm-hmm. amount of theory and stuff that you guys have to go through is more than we had to go through yeah because all we used to do was hands-on techniques every single day and we would do hands-on techniques every other day yeah but would do far more theory than what they would have to cover and they would have to later cover it in more postgraduate or experience type things mm. so it's it's a really fine line of and again this is where it comes into a case of make finding out what practitioner you want to be mm. because if you want to be totally medical that's when you'll still be a great osteopath but if you want to be fully osteopathic you'll still be a great osteopath you know it's a real fine line yeah, between yeah, yeah. how you look at it i totally agree i think it will become more medical and, and i, I like that the way you kind of describe that actually we are becoming a little bit a, a little less hands-on and being more pra- um, more theoretical i think naturally we will start to progress into that anyways Oh, massively. Because with... More research is being produced. Exactly. With theory starts to come, okay, preventative measures and... um, Knowing how, which muscle and why it's creating that and why it's compensating and all that kind of stuff. And going, oh, well, actually, you know, hands-on is fantastic in evidence of this, but we do know that in our evidence, this is slightly better. So taking whatever it is along with hands-on work it's like everything you don't want to burn your traditions mm, mm, it's mm. nice to have that nice to look back and go like god this is yeah. what they're practicing all the way back when it was created it's nice to still have that mm. but if you look at it from an evidence point of view how many things are there which actually turn around and go well actually the evidence shows the more modalities you use the better yeah in with you know reasoning yeah like um such as acj giving an example from our previous thing um rehabilitation hands-on work with potential medication is a way and approach forward in order to help it out and is appropriate as well yeah yeah so i think it's quite interesting the way osteopathy is going but i still believe that i think that's also why you're seeing it more in nhs as well now and you're Mm. getting more nhs contracts because they're like they are more medical you know and I think it always has been, but yeah, even more so now where we're using the same type of research papers that yeah. a physio would use as well. Mm. I'm just waiting for the day when someone actually calls me an osteo instead of a physio in a sort of sporting background. Oh uh, yeah, I know what you're alluding <laughs> to. Yeah. How, so, but I can I can't I can tell you how many times I've even like had a patient come in who. So what um, do you physios do? And you're like called me a physio, and I've gone. No, I'm an osteopath. They come back in and they go. Yeah, you're a great physio. And I'm like, oh, I'm an osteopath. But I've, it's like... I've got reviews of people saying I'm a physio, the the best physio in London. And I'm like... You're the best physio when you're not even a physio. Now, that's a compliment right there, bro. You see? You're just skill, skill. skill. I'm techie with it. Techie. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that's a very interesting thing is that people don't seem to want to move away from the ideology that physio is the norm or the standard. But again, it comes back to that education as well. I think, especially in the last few years, 
I especially noticed that when I started studying as osteopathy started to take off more and more mm. and that's only going to increase. Yes, it's still quite quiet, but if you look as Britain as a whole, it's actually one of the most popular places for osteopathy in the world. I mean, uh, most recognized is the best way of saying it. What percentage of osteopaths in the entire UK are in London? I think it was 60% or something even more. Yeah, it's 59%. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but 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 because it's a hub, yeah. So many people, it's a fun place to work in. I mean, just in this building, we've got three, so there including me. Well, hey. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think that's good. A good place to to call it there. We've discussed. Where do we feel osteopathy is going? More medical background. More medical. More medical more generalized more open to the public more understanding that we are evidence-based after all the, the, the career is evolving mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean before we people thought we were a fad now we are close to a norm we're here to stay exactly. we ain't going nowhere yeah 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 no for sure for sure and for i sure, think sure. It, it's a good journey and i'm really interested in seeing how things progress I, Hence why I've done my own dry needling, I've done my own cupping, I've done my own cannulations, mm. I can do vasic containers and things like that. I've done my sort of yeah. CPD, my due and diligence. I, and I also think the reason why osteopathy has taken only till now to start to grow a bit more is because it is it was private all along mm. and it was more of a middle upper class kind of treatment modality. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now it, where it's being able to be accessed on the NHS, which I've had experience in Same, yeah. more people have gone oh, i never knew what osteopath was and then you start to see and i was seeing tons of patients so the word of osteopathy just grows yeah so that's that's the way it evolves mm. personally it's great it's great stuff have it's great stuff great stuff <laughs> have a best day everyone best day and ciao for now ciao for now